Hello and welcome back to the third place. We're full steam ahead in season two. We started off with Kingdom Hearts 2.5 collection, and now we're into the uh, I get fantastical world of the Dead or Alive franchise. And I'm here joined with a special, lovely guest. Uh, you might know him for the podcast Getting Lit. It is Matthew. How are you doing tonight, Matthew? I'm wonderful, Sam. How are you? Oh, I'm just peachy keen, considering the fact that you and I have been talking for nearly two hours off air. Uh, <laughs> this is this. Uh, you are one of the select special few that have met me in person. Uh, we, mm-hmm. well, first of all, we first properly connected on your show when we did the big Kojima jerk offathon. Um, <laughs> many such cases. Um, for me, I mean, but... that was mostly you. I was just there to watch, basically. <laughs> Yeah, you just you just you 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 let the chains loose on me, and hopefully I did a good job of that. Mm-hmm. You did a very um, good job. But very popular also... episode, by the way. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad. Uh, mm. Listen, wink, wink for the listeners. There's definitely something pertaining to that man later in the season. Stay tuned. Ooh. Um, but that one was so fun. Uh, we also got to spend a little day together uh, in Charlotte. Uh, you're one of the few people who have met me in person, and that was a very lovely time we had that day. We got to go to a tiki restaurant, and then uh, I took you to the NASCAR museum uh, <laughs> right when it was closing. Uh, but I got to show you in Australia the great American pastime of NASCAR as someone mm-hmm. who is not a NASCAR fan, <laughs> but because I live in a NASCAR city, I have to show like, hey, we have a NASCAR museum. The, no, the cross... it was it was it was cool. Yeah, it was. It's honestly a, it's a cute little play, thing to go to. It's right in the middle of downtown. I, I'm gonna I want to go again. There, yeah, there's, well, there's... well, we went we went when it was sort of like closing, so it <laughs> was kind of like a NASCAR track going through the <laughs> museum. Oh, very so. true. Like we were we were speeding along. Uh, yeah. Slowed down that. during the corners, and yeah. so and then. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey. You got to go fast in NASCAR, I guess. So we lived true. We didn't get to do the virtual reality museum or whatever that thing was. But next time, next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love your presence online. I love your presence in person. So I'm so <laughs> glad to finally have you on to talk about a. I guess it's a nowadays it's a niche franchise, but it definitely wasn't back in the day. But before we get into Dead or Alive. Because you are a new guest on this show, I want to know what is Matthew's history with gaming. Where does it start? Oh God! Um, well, as I was <laughs> remarking before, in the two hours before this, when we were talking, <laughs> um, I'm possibly your oldest guest um, uh, that you've had. Uh, so it's a long story, <laughs> like, but it probably begins uh, with the PC and uh, a lot of. Uh, the old classic uh, first-person shooters. So Ooh, yes. I remember um, Wolfenstein 3D. Oh, <laughs> it wow. It was 3D. And um, sometimes if I'm feeling nostalgic, I'll go and uh, sort of watch videos of that on YouTube. And something about uh, Wolfenstein that I always loved was the um, the blue walls <laughs> of the jail, <laughs> like that. I just mm-hmm. remember blue walls constantly and like this this real kind of specific shade of blue that just really yes. appealed to me. and I was just like this does not look like a prison but 
I love it anyway. Yeah, it's, it's the and DOS the kind prison. Of, yeah, the DOS prison. Oh, MS-DOS. Don't even get me started on that. Like <laughs> Wrangling MS-DOS back in the day when you like had to start up a game was the most frustrating thing. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, I didn't put the slash in the right position. Ridiculous. But um, so, yeah, Wolfenstein was probably the first first game that I can kind of remember playing on PS. P- uh, PS uh, on PC um and just the the violence of that i mean it looks pretty funny now when you go back and sit and look at it like it's all pixelated mm-hmm. but that sort that level of violence was kind of like really appealing to me as a, a kind of teenage boy uh into- and your parents and your parents had no issue with it too i mean no my parents my parents are that kind of boomer who were really cool about like, you know um, we were talking about watching the simpsons my 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 parents loved the simpsons and let us watch it i always found families who didn't watch the simpsons really weird um <laughs> also my dad my dad is so funny because he would dare me to watch like really intense horror films and violent movies and stuff Ooh. like that when i was younger so he was kind of like irresponsible and cool in that way i guess <laughs> um our um our uncle owned a uh, video store and he, oh. we would always get like horror, mostly horror movies would get like these B grade horror movies. And, and dad would be like, Oh, this one's rated R. I dare you to watch it. You know? <laughs> so like, so like violence in video games was never an issue in our house. Like we're like, Oh, I'm just over here killing Nazis, dad. It's like, <laughs> Are you winning son? Yes. Um, <laughs> you killing cyber Hitler. Yep. 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 And then, Related to that would be uh, Doom. Yes. Obviously, same sort of vibe. But I remember Doom really blowing my tiny little mind because uh, I was a big fan of science fiction, fantasy, and horror when I was younger. And I still am to some extent, uh, if you listen to my podcast, which Mm. talks about these genres a lot. But Mm -hmm. um, putting them together, like putting uh, horror and science fiction together into the first person shooter kind of mode like it it was astounding to me <laughs> like mm-hmm. just just that you could be a space marine running around like blowing up fucking cyber demons and shit like that was like yeah it really opened up my imagination in this really cool way because it was like you know you had science fiction you had horror and you never really saw them near the twain would would meet, you know, but they did mm-hmm. meet in Doom and it was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, that is one thing that I wish if I had a time machine was to like go back in time to see like Doom in when it came out. Like that, that seems like such a monumental occasion to like experience that for the first time back in the day. Yeah, it was thrilling because because at least with Wolfenstein, that was thrilling in its own way as well. But what was so great about Doom was the fact that it, uh, you know, Wolfenstein is is some way in some ways is tied to the real world. You know, even though there is cyber Hitler and whatever, it's like mm-hmm. it's based on like World War Two stuff. So the iconography of like Nazis and um, mm-hmm. you know Americans with guns coming in like and saving the day was very yeah. like you know it's stuff you'd seen before in a lot of war movies. But Doom was just like, it's such a literal game changer in the mm-hmm. sense that it, yeah, it 
it mixed these genres in this really like mind blowing way. And the violence as well was, it's like they ramped it up from Wolfenstein as well because, because it wasn't people, it was demons. Yes. So one of the things that like, I just, I, I still remember now is like the, the crumpled viscera of like demons yes. that you've like destroyed. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, they, they had the Liberty to just like mangle those like pixel sprite corpses. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, like, there's always been the phrase, like, with the less detail you have, your brain fills in all the extra parts. And Mm -hmm. I'd still say that's even true for something like Doom with its, you know, archaic look in the modern sense. It's still, like, your brain fills in all the, like, gory details. And, I mean, that, that was such a crazy time because you also had mortal Kombat coming out Mm. at the same time and granted you were like a teenager but still like a young populace being exposed to like blood and guts and that's not quite like fully detailed but detailed enough where you like you get a sense of what's happening on screen and you know what in hindsight, I can understand why parents lost their minds over this. <laughs> like the 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 youth of the nation was youth of the world was being corrupted by you know Doom and Mortal Kombat. Yeah, well, Mortal Kombat is another one as well that like I would play. I think we we got the one of the console versions. I can't remember which one, but um, and. My dad would encourage it. Like <laughs> again, he was like, "Well, come on, he's he's. They're asking you to finish him. I can finish him." <laughs> like how your dad's just egging you on. Just like, he's come so, on. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, so there's then from PC. Oh, the other big game in my gaming history on PC was one that I don't think uh, many people mention. I'm not sure if you've mentioned it. I, by the way, I've listened to every episode of this podcast. Aww. I love this podcast. Oh, thank um, you. And it's one of my favorites. It's like <laughs> when it comes in, I play immediately. Um, oh, thank you. But, but, but one game, I don't think you've mentioned and a few gaming uh podcast mention it is uh wing commander the wing commander series oh uh, yeah i i um, haven't mentioned it but no it, i know wing commander oh no you froze yeah oh, i was f- obsessed with that game mostly uh you froze before as well, <laughs> yes. well, um, well zoom podcasting in a yeah, nutshell i was... <laughs> i um I loved Wing Commander. I started the series, uh, I think it was Wing Commander 4, where they incorporated real-life cutscenes with real-life actors. Um, and one of the... Uh, the Wing, in Wing Commander 4, it was like the main star was Mark Hamill from Star Wars. So that's that basically got me to, to buy it because uh, I was really into Star Wars when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it was it was a great experience, like flying around like space fighter um kind of game, kind of killing uh this alien race of anthropomorphic tigers, which was just a cool concept <laughs> in itself. Oh yeah. <laughs> flying around in space, like fighting these people. Uh that was really cool uh, on PC. And then sort of after that, 
we kind of transitioned to a more of a console family. Uh, so we had um, a Sega Mega Drive, which I think in the US was called a Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. if you probably know better than me. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. The same kind of same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just being blown. I got the Sega Mega Drive because I remember my friend had it and I remember being blown away by, um, I think it was like Sonic 2. Yeah. I just re- remember being blown away by like the graphical elements of it, but not just like how it looked, but like the, how everything was bouncing around screen, like in this really chaotic <laughs> way. And I was just like, this is so cool. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I was- Sonic 2, it's so, you know, on the surface level, you don't appreciate how like in- intense that ex- that all that information you're taking in and you're going so fast that you're like going faster than the screen itself at times. And I'm like, mm-hmm. again, it's another thing. It's like, I wish I was there to see what people thought when they saw this for the first time. There's so many games where I'm just like, I wish I was there. I wish I was old enough to like comprehend people's reactions to this. And um, with the Sonic as well, the the other thing that like blew my mind was the sound. Like the oh, sound yeah. design in that game was incredible. Like the music, not just the the music, but like the sound effects as well. It was very mm-hmm. um. There was a kind of fidelity there, even though it was sort of you know fake stuff. It's Sonic World. Like it's not. There's nothing <laughs> real about it. the The sound was just so. Uh, there was a sense of verisimilitude to it that just mm-hmm. kind of. I was just like, wow. Oh, yeah. So then I went home and begged my mom to get me a Sega Mega Drive. <laughs> Listen, that's so true. I've always compared the in my mind the Sega Genesis the music uh, in a lot of cases Sonic is like the premier example of this, but a lot of times Genesis music sounds like early Madonna music. Uh yes. Like Lucky Star specifically is like mm-hmm. oh wow that's the sega genesis like sound <laughs> sound to my i was like which makes sense i mean sega was always pop culturally savvy even that that early on they they understood especially in the american side they understood that like you know being aware of like the zeitgeist was very important and sonic 2 was made by the americans uh side of sega so i wouldn't be shocked if like they took cues. I mean, they, I mean, hell, Sonic 3, they had Michael Jackson on the soundtrack. So it's like they were, they were aware of what they were doing, even on the like spring, spring sound effects and everything. Like no one gives the Genesis, I think, enough credit when it came to sound because the Super Nintendo was like on paper better. Um, but I always think of just how raw and crunchy and metallic the genesis sounds and it feels like the machine is alive like yes it's it's like moving while you're playing and yeah i still think i still think that's so cool yeah and even like in sonic 2 when you're like you know spinning and like bashing against Mm -hmm. dr robotnik's uh machines like that that sound was like really kind of um it had some oomph to it like it felt like you were kind of doing something uh Mm -hmm. and that's something as well that i really appreciate about your show is that you appreciate the sound elements because no one people really don't talk about sound very much when they talk about games like 
they'll talk about the music, but not the sound design as a whole, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a real gap uh, mm -hmm. that not everyone I have my Genesis. I have my Genesis right here just to show uh, you. Look at it. It's so small. I know. It's so tiny. I remember it being this big thing, but maybe it's because I was small, this. So. Well, this is the second model. They're, the first model was bigger, but mm -hmm. this is the revision that they did. Uh, I want a model one. Don't get me wrong, but model two <laughs> is a nice little compact little square. It's so it's so refreshing considering I have the PlayStation Five over there as I do it's the soy the, as I do the, as I do the soy jack pointing meme for Matthew. <laughs> that thing is a behemoth, and it always looks hilarious when I look at it. It looks it looks kind of vaguely vaginal too. Like it looks like some kind of feminist sculpture. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it literally looks like a V. So there's that, and then it's like a black, black thing interlined with two white, like, uh, mm. what's the term they use? Oh, I forget. They they have a proper term for the white part. Uh, but yeah, it definitely gives vaginal energy. I mean. Mm -hmm. I will say this about the PS5. At least it's something interesting, whether if you think it's good or bad. God, thank God it's not like the PS4 where it was just a box in italics. <laughs> like, that was awful. Um, it's also better than the modern Xbox, which is a literal rectangle. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. I haven't seen that, but yeah. Uh, it's bad. It's I hate the Xbox Series X. It's such a <laughs> stupid looking thing. It's, but, um... It, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want to get on a rant about the Series X. <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, after Mega Drive, I think I it's it's sort of hazy, but it's just then we switched to PlayStation. Uh and PlayStation, we played lots of the Resident Evil series. Um mostly that on PlayStation. I can't actually remember anything else we used to play. We used to play heaps of shit, but I the Resident Evil series is the only one that sort of jumps mm -hmm. out at me. Yeah. And other random things like um oh like Parasite Eve and things like that. Oh uh, so, yeah. Um, I love Parasite yeah. Eve. Yeah. Uh, I love a text-based game. <laughs> like I love I, when I have to do lots of reading. Yeah, I mean, those unfortunately went with the wayside when voice acting mm. became a thing. I mean mm. each have their own merits in their own regards, like like the only modern game that I can think of that still is very reading heavy was Disco Elysium. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, I haven't played that still and I need to, mostly because uh, Dasha was on the in the original, she was one of the in the original yes, version of that this. game. Um, she was later recasted. I probably. They recasted her, I think, not because of what she said on red on like podcasts and stuff, but more because I think they they're like, oh, we have some money. Let's actually pay for like, you know, a proper voice actress. Who cares? Like, you know, but that is like the only thing that of note that I know about Disco Elysium is that <laughs> she's in the game, the original version of the game. Yeah, I've heard that one's good, but I haven't played it. Um I I I've hear I've heard good things. It's just like I already have a ginormous backlog and I I don't want to yeah. add another thing to that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I remember from my PlayStation, and I can't remember which PlayStation it was, but we went up to, I think, I think it was one, two, and maybe three 
Um, but this is all bleeding together. Like, I don't remember which games are on which thing because, you know, <laughs> um, I'm old. Uh, yeah. But that's why you have me that's why you have me yes you, you can use your autistic gaming knowledge to like pinpoint where it is but i remember um i remember soul reaver i love those games um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. series like kind of mixing uh puzzles and sort of action games and doing the one thing i loved about that game series was the ability to like shift between like the spirit world and the physical world that was always really cool and mm-hmm. i loved that once you got killed, you were defaulted to the spiritual world and had to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like about vampires and shit like that. Um, <laughs> and I was I was a sucker for that sort of shit uh, when I was younger. And yeah, so that's what I can remember from PlayStation. And then, so all this, the context for this as well is that my brother was more of the gamer and I was more of the like, I'll play with you sort of thing. So that's how I got into a lot of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. the next thing my brother got an Xbox. So the first, the first series, um, mm-hmm. and that's how I came to, I think that's how I came to dead or alive actually, because I think, I think he bought it and dead or alive three came with it or something like that. Uh, it was like a deal. Like you got the Xbox plus dead or alive three plus another game. I can't remember. Probably um, Halo. Maybe- maybe halo yeah um and yeah that was really cool there was uh on xbox released another legacy of kane um which was blood omen Mm -hmm. uh that was really fun because you played as like the main character's antagonist from soul reaver uh that was really cool and you're like a vampire literally sucking blood out of people's bodies like this is the stream of like blood coming into <laughs> this guy's mouth and I was just like, that's awesome um and with the xbox yeah halo obviously was a big thing um and that's where i played dead or alive as well and i was just blown away by dead or alive 3 because it was like uh just the speed mostly mm-hmm. but also like it looked beautiful too like everyone still does stunning yeah it still does yeah and the speed and also the kind of elegance of the mechanics and um but we'll talk about that later but yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. um and then after that we were sort of a xbox family until about i got the 360 and then the other one after that uh but at that point i was kind of just more like watching my brother play video games than everything than -hmm. anything else um uh one thing i forgot to mention as well that i i was talking to you about uh before we recorded was i was really into things like age of empires and starcraft on Mm -hmm. pc as well um i love a um real-time strategy game uh or i I did. I don't know if I would be still be good at them now, but you know, just assembling your resources and like building a base and stuff like that that really kind of um really appealed to the boy monkey oh, brain side of oh, me. You know? RTSs are male autism simulators. Mm-hmm. Like and it doesn't it also is exacerbated by a lot of these RTS games are being like history themed. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. you're you're creating the perfect stew of like male interests. You yes. have a video game. You have a thing where you're in charge of 
tons of stuff all at once, and then you add history into the mix. Yeah. Obviously, in StarCraft's case, it's just like, oh, yes, yeah, sci-fi before sci-fi was colonized by women. Hmm. Like, And that was a, that was a thing as well, that uh, with StarCraft especially. Uh, like, I was... Yeah, there's obviously the boy brain, like, autist uh, kind of uh, resource gathering uh, strategy kind of stuff element to it. But StarCraft especially, uh, it's a thing that I have with a lot of games, which is I play them for the story mostly. It's mostly Mm -hmm. I'm getting through it to, like, progress the story because Mm -hmm. I'm story brained. Uh, And that that one, I really love the story of StarCraft. uh, Mm -hmm. And I love the progression of, uh, you know, the Sarah Kerrigan character as, like, this uh, assassin who turns into this, like, cunty Zerg queen, (laughs) like... (laughs) <laughs> with her like she gets like she gets like mutated and like you see her model and you know she's got like spines and shit like that and tentacles and then like her feet have been like mutated into high heels which i love oh, that sir. yeah if i was a girl and i got mutated by an alien I uh, want intelligence some... i would I want... do that <laughs> i want some stilettos yeah let's give me some stilettos uh but and with Age of Empires, it's really funny you say about the uh, the guys who are into history and like battles and stuff like that, because I had a few friends who played Age of Empires and then there was like a sequel or a, I don't know if it was a sequel or if it was a DLC type deal, but it was called Age of Mythology mm-hmm. or Age of Myths or something like that. And so what it was, was Age of Empires. And then it was, you had like the mythic mythological elements so it was like ancient greece but you played as zeus and stuff yeah. and you can like smite people and shit <laughs> like that these guys who i knew were so pissed off at that because they're <laughs> like this isn't history anymore this is mythology oh yeah i mean they were so butthurt i i well on one hand i don't blame them like <laughs> i don't come to like total rome or total war rome expecting like to see you know, mythological elements. I'm here to like live out my history simulator. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm glad that those still exist. Granted, not in as proliferation as they are, they were back in the day. Like, they're they're one of the last remaining guy things in gaming that haven't been pillaged. Like mm-hmm. we were saying off air, like Call of Duty is another thing that hasn't been pillaged yet. Hopefully. You know, they're whether it be the developers or the publisher. I mean, they're trying to get gays into it by having Nicki Minaj be a, a, a skin. <laughs> but at the same yeah, that's time, that's literally only for gays. There is no one else who would be interested in that. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, at the same time, they do this Nicki thing. They have like other rappers I don't know or I, I vaguely know about. So clearly, they were saying like, can we entice homosexuals into Call of Duty? And I guess it worked because I've seen videos of just like, you know, just like the stereotypical gay guys like playing as like all having the Nicki Minaj skin on and they're all just like doing exactly what you think they're doing, like in in voice chat too. I'm commend these commend these gays for braving Call of Duty voice chat lobby still like. Because you know for a fact that they're getting called faggot like every second. 
doing this and they're still like holding the line as it were. Well, not, well, not with their AI censorship program oh, that's going to oh, be implemented soon. We'll see how that turns out. I don't think it's going to work for the best, even if they want to claim that it will. It's like you can't take the like people spewing the n-word out of call of duty it's built into the like backbone of that <laughs> franchise it's the texture of the thing i mean listen it's the warp and the weft of call of duty i mean i was raised in those days when you were called the n-word and faggot all like kid you know if you remove that it ain't call of duty in my opinion no granted whether or not you want to call the modern call of duty call of duty that's another topic but one thing that is always cognizant or prescient in Call of Duty is that because it is a almost exclusively guy franchise, it still has like guy battles, a i.e. calling each other various slurs, uh, for just to play mind games with you because they are trying to get in your head, like mm-hmm. Zoomers don't understand because they've been raised to think that you have to have a report button and Mm -hmm. in everything i'm like no all you needed was a mute button yeah or just or just ignore it like that was the thing i don't know i don't know how common this in is in sports in the us but we have a term for it in australia called sledging like (laughs) if you're playing cricket or something you or football or whatever and you know you you get a bit you know (laughs) Yeah, you get, insulting you get, on the pitch you know and yeah, yeah. And, heated gamer moment as they call yeah, it yeah it's 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 just a bit of it's just a bit of to and fro to like yeah get into the other person's head i don't personally do it because <laughs> uh, i i'm just not like the other girls you know but, <laughs> but like when people do it i don't i don't care because it's like do it's I. their way of playing the game you yeah know? i mean just like it's it's the way we men deal with our emotions when we're not doing well. We just start screaming at, you know, profanities like, you know, <laughs> it's like the water well. Like, just let us be. Like, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen sort of thing. Exactly. Well, get back to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Stop playing that... men's games and get back to the kitchen. Yeah, you 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 don't actually like all these shooting games. You've been told that you like them. You know, get back to where you belong playing Barbie games or just or dance Sims. or The Sims, yes. The Sims one of the bizarrely female old, like dominated franchises and I one day I would love to talk about The Sims. It's just like it is such a fascinating microcosm of just like the female mind getting full oh. control of her own like little world. And when you say female dominated, it's not just lots of females play it. They are the best at it. Yes. Like, have you ever watched <laughs> a woman place the sim? Like I got my friend once, uh, like this is years ago when I was, uh, you know, share housing and she was like, um, Oh, I downloaded The Sims. I haven't played it in years. I'm doing it this for nostalgic kind of reasons. I might revisit it. And then she was like, oh, give me a project to do. (laughs) I was like, all right. And I gave this really specific, uh, like, build a house in a desert, but I want it to be underground and have an aquarium, like, as the walls. And she did it. It was incredible. And, like, they they can just, like, manage everything so well. Whereas, like, I'm just very 
tunnel vision, right? Like I can't, I get annoyed with the Sims because I'm like, there's too much fucking to do. <laughs> like yeah, I've got to watch the baby. I've got to make sure like the house is clean, all that sort of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I'm not built for that. Yeah. I mean, the male equivalent of Sims, I guess, is either any like tycoon game mm-hmm. or an RTS game or Minecraft. Like those are the only three that I can think of right now. That and elicit- see, they're, they're goal-oriented, whereas The Sims is just this amorphous, like, it's just... Yeah, that's very true. Like, it's men, just existing. Men need goals. <laughs> men need goals, women just need a playground. Pretty much. It's... Oh, man, the, if only we had kept these boundaries of the of the sexes in games, <laughs> but we, we were told that actually women uh, love uh shooting games and now we have like the saints bro reboot appealing to like no what the a demographic that would not like these games and guess what that company gets shut down this week Mm -hmm. uh oopsie (laughs) what can you do (laughs) um but yeah i thank you for sharing your history that was a wonderful trip down (laughs) not only for you to go memory lane but also for me to be like yeah, that's great. That's great. I love that, that game is amazing. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, the taste was already in your mind, even mm-hmm. as a young as a young man. So before we get pr- again into Dead or Alive, I wanted to talk about a topic that in, I guess it's very crucial to Dead or Alive's identity, but it is also a thing about fighting games. Uh in the never uh, in the long running series now, because it's the fourth fighting game I've done of Sam learns to love fighting games. Um fighting like Dead or Alive is a series that's obviously predicated about the women. Obviously are it's a, it's the franchise where the women are like the selling point, which I mean, what franchise prior to 2013 isn't like hyping up its like beautiful women like cuz again, games were and still are male dominated. But fighting games as a genre, there is something to be said about beautiful characters, both men and women, punching and kicking each other into a bloody pulp that is wholly unique to itself. Like, any other genre, they're sort of like an attempt at realism to some degree. Like, obviously not every game is striving for realism, but like fighting games, no matter how much they claim are like real, there's still like this fantastical perfection like coding on top of it. And this kind of, I guess, kind of piggybacks off something that Yerk once said in a Twitter thread that I've mentioned before on the show. It's like Fighting games are like a tool to which avatars are like our means to the world and the universe. And I don't know if you had anything to weigh on this topic. It's kind of a broad discussion point, but I don't know if you had anything to weigh on how like fighting games literally are just like perfect idealized forms that are just like beating the shit out of each other. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because uh, with fighting games i think with the exception of like mortal Kombat, which really leans into the gore elements of it um 
they actually aren't that bloody. Like, no. And so the the perfection of the body stays there. Uh, so I find that really interesting. But the thing with even, but that even happens in Mortal Kombat too. Like, especially in the newer games, you know, you'll do these like super moves or whatever, where you'll see the X-ray of like, you know, necks being broken, skulls mm. being crushed. And then they, ju- they just get up and they're back to normal and <laughs> ready to fight again. Mm-hmm. There's no like, there's no realism there. Like it's this, uh, there's this kind of remove that fighting games have. And this is something I w- I did want to talk about with Dead or Alive, but I'll just signpost it here. This idea that there has to be like a kind of realistic logic to fighting games is just like, that's not the point. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you like, there's probably some Brazilian jiu-jitsu fucking MMA game out there for you if you want that. But that's not the point of these types of games of like Mortal Kombat, Tekken, Dead or Alive. Um, there is that like, it's that, it's the platonic idea of like of a human fighter, someone uh, striving to fight their way out of a situation. Uh, it's not the it's not the real grim reality of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I see that I see what you're getting at there with the perfect bodies, um, yeah, politically it- kind of engaged in combat. It it is like a dance, really. Yeah, I mean. Hell, we're seeing kind of a a reaction to trying to make one of these franchises more real because there's a new Mortal Kombat coming out this month and all the character designs, are well, specifically the women, are trying to emulate realism, quote-unquote, make them ugly. Um, <laughs> and you see how people kind of, I mean, certain people are going to defend it because they want to believe that, like, realistic again like there's this nebulous term that doesn't mean anything realism like realistic looking characters doesn't matter it's not real and it's a fake concept just to appease that sector of the population we all know who it is but fighting games are like this sort of again because i don't want to (laughs) like take too much credit for saying this because Yerk Yerk put this really great in this Twitter thread. I wish I could remember the exact details, but it's like fighting games are a grand stage that is going on. It's a, it's, you know, it's the most simplistic of concept. It's two people duking it out to see who is the better one. It's like a grand play, you know, each character is sort of this vessel for this sort of backstory or sort of look that they embody. And I think people, whether they instinctually think about it, I think subconsciously they're like, I want this character to be the idealized form that can be represented on screen because I want to believe that I am like this amazing ninja that can do the most you know choreographed move moves that you can think of like i want to embody that and i want to become that and or i want to watch that on screen and be amazed by what's being done by my own actions i mean and this isn't something exclusive to dead or alive you see it in something like tekken and because tekken and dead or alive are very similar but like tekken has these very idealized bodies that 
even as technology has progressed, even with the newest tech and coming out, like the men are all, all just these beautiful, like glorious Greek sculptures who, by the way, uh, are like in the newest Tekken, you can see them get it sweat rippling off of their bodies. And then the women are these like beautiful, I mean, some people have criticized them as porcelain dolls, but it's like, I would rather my 40 year old woman look like she has had the most uh, luxurious Korean skincare routine where she has zero wrinkles. I don't want to be fighting as some hag like <laughs> who who's got back pain. I want to be playing as June in Tekken where she is literally glowing and radiant like being of light. Well, the great and- thing about J- Japanese fighting games as well, which is, you know, that is a lot of fighting games, but mm-hmm. is that the women are always like uh in both Tekken and Dead or Alive, the women are always like uh you know, they have some glamorous job and then they're like, "Oh, I just fight on the side." Like, yeah, I mean, like Helena is like uh, an opera singer, and it's just like, oh yeah, I know kung fu as well. Like, it's yeah. it's just such it's, <laughs> it's the fan it's the fantasy, you know. Like, you don't want a character like that. Like, yeah, I don't want physically to like represent someone who would realistically be a fighter, like a big fucking what's her name, China looking person. You know, oh, yeah, because I mean, the 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 concept is already a fantastical like concept right you're and you're leaning into that like she's an opera singer who kicks ass in her spare time (laughs) yeah i mean i like there is the again not not to rag on it but i'm gonna rag on it mortal Kombat one where it's like uh the new one of the returning characters tanya and they made her look like some scowling black woman you'd find at the DMV, like, you know, shooing you along or <laughs> some Sir. like diver or Sir. diversity, like professor, like, I don't <laughs> want to, that, I don't want my fighting game character to make me think of that. I want to, you know, I want to see like the most beautiful goddess or the most beautiful like man ever represented on screen and they don't have to abide to what my taste in men are. They still can be like just these, uh, you, you know, in Dead or Alive's case, I could look at Brad, you know, Brad, you know, <laughs> with his silver hair. And he's like still like, even though he's like a drunken fist master, he's still like, you know, a f- he looks like he's like has, spends his spare time in L.A. getting a tan and uh, getting the most exquisite routine to look young and beautiful. Like, I would rather look at that and be, uh, want to play as that. Like, there's an element of, like, these beautiful characters in the, you immediately get drawn to them. I mean, I'll speak from my own perspective. It's like, when I play Dead or Alive, it's like, I want to be playing as Bass Armstrong, or I want to be playing as, like, you know, Kasumi or Ayane like or you know helena or christy or the duality uh, of the gay man yeah or <laughs> la, or in in like dead or life force case like la mariposa like yes like i i want no i mean i, I could be speaking from the gay perspective but it's like <laughs> i i want 
you know, I'm an equal opportunist. I want mm -hmm. all my characters to be beautiful and like, just like, I, 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 I mean, hell, I, characters even like uh, Gen Fu, he's even as an old man, he looks like he hasn't seen, like, he had, he had, his wrinkles are tactically placed to mm -hmm. make him look even handsome as like a 60 year old. I'm and like that cool mohawk with yeah, the like cool braided tail. mohawk. Like, goddamn, man! Like, mm. the there is something to be said, and this goes through. This is like true about any fighting game, except for Mortal Kombat One. People want to play as hot characters. Like, I think I talked with you about this. It's like the last Mortal Kombat. You got the gaze on fire with um. Oh, why am I blanking on his name? He's the Australian. Um, oh, Kano. Yeah, Kano. Yeah. Look up Mortal Kombat 11 Kano and you'll understand why everyone lost their oh. mind over him. Oh, I understand. <laughs> like, or I mean, you could look at Melina or like any of the Mortal Kombat girls before they were told to cover up, you slut. Like, like people, like there's no need to like base these there's obviously a time and place for realism in certain genres and blah, 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 blah. I don't care. But if I'm on the stage of the dead or alive tournament, trying to stop like, you know, Doa tech creating, you know, the Omega or creating the clones of, uh, of Kasumi. I don't want Kasumi to look like a wrinkly hag. I want her to be in her, her, her outfit that shit goes all the way up to her hips and I want her to have that flowing orange ponytail and look like she's never seen a day out, like above 20 like I don't want to be reminded of reality in these cases because they're 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 larger than life at this point mm. that's a that's a key point like larger than life because you do get if we're talking um body positivity here you do actually get a range of different types of bodies like you mentioned like bass um in dead or alive but i can think of characters in like um you know street fighter like e honda the big yeah. fat sumo guy but he is big and fat in that really larger than life yeah i mean <laughs> not, to, not not to use double entendre but like but larger than life a character way like that's a very specific kind of archetype mm -hmm. and I think that that works for the fantasy that you have with with a fighting game, and it's the same in I think in Mortal Kombat there was the the drunken master Bo Rai Cho who was this mm -hmm. fat guy who's like vomiting on the ground, and, <laughs> and and like it's sort of like it's kind of a little bit camp and and silly, but it does. It's not to say that there are, uh, you know, I only want to fight as a skinny person. It's like it's more like an idealized form of a particular type of body which uh, you can you can play as. And also a particular type of body that is presented in a way, in a particular way with their the way that they're dressed and the way that they move. And that is the appeal of, of fighting games in that sense, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I mean, char uh, characters in these type of games don't explicit even go as far as the silhouette. They go down to the mm -hmm. personalities, mm -hmm. the way they interact on the stage or their fighting styles. Like I can speak personally as a big Tekken fan, like, like with the new Tekken game, they announced uh, this new girl, uh, Azucena, and like her fighting style is reminds me of like Eddie Gordo or Christy, 
where it's like this sort of capoeira mixed with like MMA fighting style. And that's visually interesting. And she's moving around and flat, like styling on people. And I'm just like, I resound with that. Or like with King in Tekken, like I resound with just like a big ass luchador who, for whatever reason, only speaks in Jaguar growls. <laughs> like that is silly and stupid, but I am sold on the fantasy. Like, <laughs> and I mean, even Tekken, Tekken's gone in sort of the, you know, look at Tekken 6 when they introduced Bob, like this big, this big fat guy, but he's, he's still like a cool guy and he's like got an, a charm and a like, you know, a pizzazz to him, like that makes you want to play him and experiment with him. And I think people, I don't know, there's people who want like realism because we have technology that's more you know terafucks per giga shits in these consoles and they want to see the sweat uh, i mentioned this before people like seeing the sweat pores on characters i mean on one hand tech you know fighting games that can benefit because who doesn't love seeing a sexy character sweating sort of thing but like it's there's like uh, the double-edged sword effect it's like well now i can see like every like weird scowl and the grimace they're making and if they're not captivating characters from a get-go like i'm not sold on that character at all like Mm. it's fighting games the good fighting games like they they find a nice balance between visually appealing but and then also just character like just the character itself is appealing to like because when we play fighting games, we're going to spend hours with our favorite character. Like, there has to be more than just, like, I like their costume, or I like their, mm-hmm. like, hairstyle, or, like, just sort of their generic face, you know, uh, face value person, like, looks. Like, there has to be something there to keep you going and being and interested in. And a good fighting game like dead, the dead or you know dead or alive it's like there's so many layers to it that makes it all function and work as a game and i can it seems like fighting games are still very resistant to the change i mean street fighter 6 came out some people will like critique like how some of the ladies got covered up and it's like their alt costume, like they still look visually interesting mm-hmm. and their characters are fun and interesting. Like the new trend in video games, because of we have to see all body shapes, is having the big muscle girls. Yeah. And Street Fighter 6 has one of those. But I, and people can like say, oh, she's like, oh, that's not how a muscular girl would look. It's like, okay, well, on um, I can understand that argument. But at the same time, you know, Marissa, that's the character, she is still a captivating and fun gal because she is like this Roman gladiator who loves to fight and will just randomly say, oh, yeah, in old times, gladiators fought naked. I wish I could do that. <laughs> but, you know, modern society let's can't let me do that. And she just wants to find her like true love to spar with. And there's this not to get too off track, but there's a, her, one of her stories is like Zangief mix, mistakes a advertisement for her to find a, uh, a boyfriend as a sparring match advertisement. And like, 
she thinks like, oh yeah, you want to get married with Zangief? And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's charming and fun. And I like that. Like, how can you get how can you hate that? Like, you know, Street Fighter Six, I mean, I guess to point it, like Street Fighter Six, the modern fighting game, and they still make every character visually unique and f- makes you want to attach to them still. Like I got the game and I was not letting go of my girl Cammy. Like <laughs> she with that Union Jack jacket, like crop jacket and her spank you know, her her tights and like you know that bob haircut. But I'm like, oh I'm fucking soul. How how do her labia stay in? Like that's that's so <laughs> uh, doctor doctors hate this woman. Uh, she she defies all <laughs> defies all logic. Um, yeah, I I do I do see what you're saying about the like the idealized forms. One thing I would like I think is an argument against that though that fighting games have going for them, because you know when you say an idealized form, I guess you're talking, you know, peak of human, um, yeah, athleticism and ability and stuff like that. But the one thing that I think fighting games. Uh, do that they kind of has been imported from one of the film genres that uh inspired it which is martial arts films which is the idea that anyone can defend themselves if they learn this skill they can anyone can be a good fighter there's kind of like a message a kind of democratizing message in there i think in a lot of fighting games because you've got you know these petite little women who are just really good martial artists so that's how they Mm -hmm. can beat up people like Zangief or E Honda mm-hmm. or whatever. Um so there's a sort of yeah it's 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 funny because there is that like peak performance human capability element of it, but there's also this idea that martial arts are kind of a way for anyone to it's the the message there is that anyone can kind mm-hmm. of triumph in a way. So I think that's an interesting kind of tension in in the in the fighting game as a genre. Yeah it that's always been the interesting thing is like, I guess to someone is like, well, why is, you know, why is like, you know, why is Kasumi able to beat up Bass Armstrong? Or <laughs> I guess literally why is Tina? She has ninja magic. That's, yeah, that's why. <laughs> or I guess a better comparison. Why is Bass's daughter Tina able to beat him? Hmm. Like, on one hand, you might be thinking like, well, that make doesn't make sense. Like in a real life, Bass Armstrong would break her leg in like <laughs> Mortal Kombat, like a frail mm-hmm. little girl's body like that. But I think that f- feeds back into, I think, what makes fighting games fun is just because there is that layer of fantasy on top mm-hmm. where it's like, I can believe that like this beautiful woman she is the greatest skilled martial artist or wrestler or whatever it might be. And she has honed her skills and all that stuff. And she can look fine, fresh, feminine style, like so divine, so heavenly. I'm not going to quote the RuPaul song. Uh, (laughs) But like, I guess, you know, it is because of that, like martial arts film roots. I think that actually kind of goes back into fighting games. It's like, because fi- games themselves are fantastical i mean they're they're literally just strings of code creating something like there's no sort creating of creating a fantasy like yeah fantasy like fantasy is already in fantasy is already a core root of games to begin with 
So I think that is why we're able to accept that this sort of these scenarios, like if in in Tekken, why is Julia like? Why is this like Native American girl able to beat up my my man King, a man who is twice her height and like three times as like heavy as her? Why is she able to do like? Why is she able to throw him? You know when she has like a her thighs wrapped around his head. Like why is that? How does that make sense? But it's already a game. There's already like a layer of like fantastical elements already present. So I like the it's like a subconscious thing our mind can just say like i'm okay with that like Mm. this is already kind of like my brain has already understood this at some level i guess you know this is why i i kind of get very impatient and kind of annoyed with a lot of like uh, you know online critics who by the way who call themselves critics but all they ever do is talk about fucking you know marvel slop or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and they always come up with these the the most annoying critique is that like oh how can fucking oh, name a female superhero i don't know wonder woman oh wonder woman has superpowers black widow yeah how can black widow beat up all of these guys it's like you fucking idiot it's a fantasy like why are you focusing on this like yeah. it's the, and it's the same thing with fighting games it's like oh a woman couldn't do that yeah yeah it's but like, she's not a woman she's a computer game character yeah she's there fucking to just, rube she's there to look cunty like yes like even even like character like i always go back to tekken because i love tekken characters so much it's like i go to asuka who's like this schoolgirl, but she so happens to be related to the mishimas but like <laughs> she's just this like schoolgirl, and yet she's still like beating the shit out of Jin, who's like one of the series protagonists like or or fuck even a better example uh xiao yu which mm-hmm. is like she's this you know she's again granted she is this like kung fu master, but she is a petite in little girl, and she has like a long-standing rival with a guy who has part of the devil inside of him, <laughs> like, and that is like a established thing. No one questions, and that's okay. Like, and mm. no one, and for me, and I think most Tekken fans, they don't care. Like, that's a thing, and that is okay, and. You know, Tekken can have regular ass Paul Phoenix, you know, just a guy who practiced martial art and he wins canonically, he wins one of the Tekken tournaments and he beats, you know, character, you know, again, he beats Jin and he even fights Ogre, who's this like mythological being who is trying to find the strongest fighter. Like Paul goes one to one with this character. Like, it's a game have fun for fuck's sake like i don't i don't want debates about like my realistically proportioned female character or my accurately modeled female character or the logistics of how a fighting game would act in real life i don't care mm. i want to be a cunty girl punching people yes um do you think this has something to do with you know a lot of people say the thing about video games that appeals to most people is this this concept of immersion, right? Mm-hmm. That that they, they need to be immersed in a world, a fully realized world, or whatever. Um, and I've never got this because, like, I don't. It's not that I'm not 
engaged with a fighting game or any other game for that matter. But like, I don't understand this need to be to not appreciate it as a piece of media. Like, it's it's like I have to be in it. It seems very main character syndrome to me. Yeah, I mean, I think video games, by their existence, will always suffer from that because, like, you are the main character and your actions are dictating the events on screen, sort of thing, and your inputs are dictating things on the screen. So I, I can see why that happens. But the immersion thing, which kind of, I think, was birthed when games went to high definition, people assumed that immersion meant, like, these big open worlds with pristine high graphics. And like a, a photo, yeah, photorealism or just having, like, a means to which you can relate to the characters in a grounded way. And I never understood that because any game can be immersive to me. Like dead or alive is immersive to me because I am able to get sucked into this universe that the franchise has established for itself. And I don't feel as though like dead or alive is like trying to go for like this, grounded approach to everything dead or alive is fantastical and out there and soap opera like and i that's all i need to be sold on the on the experience like Mm. people have this idea that that for it to be fun it has to be like something that tricks you into thinking it's real or something like i for I, i'll talk about this when we talk about dead or alive specifically but i saw a couple of youtube videos where people were pointing out fucking plot holes in the dead or alive story and i'm like, like who cares you, you are playing this the wrong way yeah <laughs> like I, I we probably watched the same video to be honest yeah. like someone's like uh helena why did helena i don't want to get too it's yeah. like why did helena why did christy reveal that she's the killer of helena's mom it's like that doesn't make sense for the character it's like ner- like nerd alert like you're <laughs> fucking dweeb who cares like there is supposed to be drama there's supposed to be conflama in but this that's what i but that's what i mean like that that is coming from the place of this removed me from the game and therefore like disrupted my immersion in it like it's that sort of that it's that sort of worship of immersion in video games that i find quite annoying particularly when it's in the hands of like that kind of dweebish person mouth mouth breathers like (laughs) yes like oh my god like they weren't they weren't even sold from the get-go of like dead or alive's sort of just very much in the spirit of tekken this very like soap opera like story where things are constantly changing and plot details are revealed at later games and all this stuff. And they weren't like taken out of it already when the game has like, when we go from dead or alive one to two, where now the story is like, Oh yeah. You know, uh, I'm blanking. Why am I blanking? Uh, Hayate. It's like, he goes from, in one being like the sort of off-screen character sort of thing to being an amnesiac who then goes back to being a master of his clan and then Kasumi is being part of a like a genetics experiment project like that didn't take you out of the experience like these like never-ending stakes that get risen like 
that didn't take you out of the experience. Or, like, or even the fact that these people we're talking about the bodies before, like these people, women mostly, who have enormous fucking breasts can move oh, the way they do. Like oh, yeah, if no, you're no. going to like apply logic to this, like wouldn't that take you out of it? Which t- like it doesn't take me out of it because I think no, it's fun to like cause... be a cunty woman with huge tits, like fly kicking and like flipping all over the place because yeah, it's I, fun. I, yeah. I mean, God, I mean, this is the problem with the like modern critic brain that YouTube has spawned is like people, people view games like in a checkbox of manners mm-hmm. where they don't, they, they want to experience it because they have to break it down by category of mm-hmm. the game and they have to, compartmentalize aspects of the game and so when they get to like the story or the world of these games they view it in a very like by the books manner and it's like these games and this isn't just this is this is something not only dead or alive has done like tech you know this is what happens when game franchises their stories keep going and going and going for deck yeah literally decades where it's like, how do we keep raising the stakes? Like, well, this character is the murderer of this person's, you know, character. Like, this character is an amnesiac. This character is actually a clone. Like, like if you like, when p- people like look at the Tekken story, and it's like Tekken introduces in the second game like the devil gene, and it's like that should have been the clue to you that this game franchise was going to go into some weird shit. Like, and Dead or Alive kind of establishes it pretty early on. Mm, mm. And I don't know, people people are so like, just like pencil, you know, pencil pusher, glasses. Like, it's the it's the red marker attitude. Like yeah. anything that you, like instead of, instead of enjoying the experience as an experience, it's like, Oh, I've got my red marker. It's ready to go. Like anything that takes me out of like what I think this game should be, I'm going to note down for my YouTube essay later. And it's just, it's something that, you know, something that I kind of, you know, have said on my podcast. It's something I think Jack talks about. um, And even Glenn on rare candy as well. You should submit, submit to the arch. Put yeah. away the red, put away the red marker and just submit to it. And, you know, then kind of expound on, you know, yeah. what you think about it, but, but yeah. do it in a, I don't know. It just seems very ungenerous to me as a, you know, uh, I'm, I'm being nice here by yeah. saying it's ungenerous. I actually think it's fucking retarded, but <laughs> you know, no, it's completely fair. I mean, mm. pe- people need to just like let loose for once in their life about, all this shit it's like it's a fighting game and you are like getting in a huff about like this part of the story doesn't make sense why was this introduced six games in why blah 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 blah. it's like okay okay dude like i'm going to continue enjoying my fighting game franchise you can be mad about minor plot holes like who's having more fun here me or you and at the end of the day as well if you're talking about the story um, and we can talk about this later with Dead or Alive. If you're talking about the story, probably fighting games, you know how I said before that I would play games and for me, it's very story-based. Like I'm just playing the game to get to the end of the story because I love a good story. Mm-hmm. But for fighting games, that's probably the exception for me. Like 
I really don't care that much about the story of fighting games because mm-hmm. it's all about the fighting to me. Like, yeah. it's all about, you know, these bodies engaging with each other and like trying to beat someone or the computer mm-hmm. or whatever and trying testing your skill in that way. In that way, they are kind of like a pure distilled form of gaming because mm-hmm. it is to me just about that, that those moments of skill rather mm-hmm. than the story itself for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get into Dead or Alive. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but, so, yeah, we're, let's get into the game, the series it for tonight, which is Dead or Alive.
Dead or Alive, as we kind of alluded to in the first half, is a series of fighting games created by Tecmo uh, back in the 90s. Uh, the brainchild of one Tomonobu Itagaki uh, when this this game was kind of a last-ditch attempt by Tecmo because uh, they were basically on the verge of bankruptcy, hence why the title is kind of a reference to them saying, you know, this is the last thing we're going to do, potentially. So they made a fighting game franchise that they hopefully could make into a big thing. Its uh, premise was based on, because the creator, Itagaki, was saying that they need a franchise that uh, played on the uh, elements of violence and sexuality. And as a result, we have six games, multiple spinoffs, including some beach volleyball games uh, that maybe aren't isn't a fully recognized series but definitely people have been exposed to this game franchise in some extent whether it be the mainline games or the beach volleyball games or hell even the movie uh which is <laughs> wild to think that this game franchise got a movie adaptation that is in my opinion hilarious and silly and i love it uh <laughs> I still, I was thinking like, wow, they casted the right person for Bass Armstrong. Um, but enough about that. Um, Matthew? St- what, starring what th- the movie starred uh, Australian soap star Holly Valance. Just a oh. fun fact there for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, that makes it even better. <laughs> uh, but Matthew, what what do you think about Dead or Alive? What is your thoughts on this franchise? Well, as we've been discussing, we've we've kind of already flag this a little bit talking a little bit about dead or alive but yes i love it uh i this is one of the only fighting games i think where all of my favorite characters are women um (laughs) (laughs) i know most gay men always play as women and they always like the female characters the best but that's not always the case with me but in this game it is like uh yeah sorry (laughs) Uh, yeah, oh, no, the, you're coughing. Uh, yeah, I'm still coming <laughs> from my sickness, and I was hoping that it would be better, but apparently uh, the forces at B said, you're going to sound congested on these first few episodes. Oh, well. But you are right. This is one of the, the, the only fighting game franchise. No, like in other games, I have my, like, here's my group of guys, and here's my group of girls. And, like, it's an equal balance with dead or alive i'm like i like the women the most like Mm -hmm. and the series prides itself on this Mm -hmm. and the thing is that the thing about it as well is that this game always comes in or the series basically comes in for a lot of flack for being um sexist because it's like they're always in revealing outfits you always get a particularly when the boob (laughs) physics you always get like a panty shot if they're wearing like short skirts or dresses or stuff like that when they do a high kick you always get that sort of stuff and you know gaming critics are always talking about like how oh it sexualizes women and whatever and itadaki was like yeah it does yeah like (laughs) and like yeah, and it's great. And also, I would argue that this is a feminist game series because <laughs> the best, the reason I play the women is they're the best characters to play with. Like, hands down, they they are actually objectively, all of them are great. Like, the men are kind of crap. Like, the men have their own strengths, and most of the men are like wrestly, kind of grapply kind of characters. 
mm-hmm. which I've never been into. I prefer to like do the high kicks in in stilettos and chong sums and stuff like that. That's what I want to <laughs> do. I don't want to do wrestling. Um, uh, but so that's why I think I would argue this is a feminist uh, video game series because uh, the women are the best characters and they're also the characters with the most interesting backstories and a lot of cunty outfits. So, Oh yeah. I mean, yes, the men, the male characters, while they are great in their own regard, like I will never say no to Bayman or Bass, like, you know, I will never say no to those beautiful men or Brad or Brad Wong. Like I'm never going to say no to them, but my, my monkey brain is saying you're playing as Kasumi. You're playing as Tina. You're playing as, you know, Lei Fong. You're playing as, uh, Ayane, Helena, uh, Hitomi, Christy, like the list goes on and on and on about all these amazing females and you are right this is a feminist video game series and it's funny you mentioned that like i will mention briefly that itagaki is one is a cool as hell dude my my, on one hand like his, his when you look at pictures of him he is like the most like his look is so iconic where he's either in like all leather or he's in like army fatigues wearing mm-hmm. these the same sunglasses from like 1996 and 1997 and he's always he's got long hair and he's always smoking a cigarette like he's he just looks like a matrix character yeah he does and it is so fitting that his favorite band is Aerosmith and <laughs> yes. he includes Aerosmith in the games as part of the soundtrack like the yeah the opening of Dead Dead or Alive Two has like a big like anthem of Aerosmith playing on top of it. Uh, didn't didn't he also at one point when one of the games failed like or didn't live it was up Dead to or expectation? Life 2. It was the PS2 version. He went he went back and like listened to Aerosmith's um I don't want to miss a thing for like yes. three days straight or something. Yeah, and it brought him back to like make a proper better version of the game, and he it did energized it. him. <laughs> And oh my god, which makes is such a great story. And what I also love is that like he has a very sweet earnesty to himself where he it's very noted that he has a daughter and he's married. And even when the series is like quote unquote doing its fan service, like the volleyball games, he's like, I'm never gonna do anything that's explicit explicitly sexual because I don't want my daughter to think because I, I, you know, because he's just like a protective dad at the end of the day, and you, you feel that with the games, like he, obviously he loved like, Dead or Alive is full of just fan service and all this stuff, and people mislabel it and, you know, downplay it as just like a oh, horny guys just want their boob physics and their skimpy outfits, but like he treats every one of his female characters as like really well thought out and like they all have like a lot of them have just like tragic backstories that are gripping and like entertaining and there's a lot like just like soap opera drama at a core of it all i mean i i completely forgot about this point but it's like ayane was was it conceived from a rape like that Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. 
I mean, even, I mean, granted, without the context of, like, the post-Me Too world we live in, like, to have a character, like, be that and, like, that be part of her backstory is still, like, you know, makes Ayane such a amazing main p- pillar character of the franchise, let alone the fact that she's visually unique with her purple hair, mm. her, all per- her, like, purple attire. Yeah, and the non-binary Kunoichi. Oh uh, yeah, God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she does. She has non-binary tea at times, but like, <laughs> hey, she'll still wear a revealing outfit whenever the mm-hmm. the game calls for it, mm-hmm. and she's not afraid to show the assets off. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm looking at like Dead or Alive two version of her, or Dead or Alive four, where she's in that like iridescent purple like. uh mini skirt dress oh with like, the bow on the back uh yes uh, well that's one of her things this whole second tr- half just going to be us talking about the outfits of other girls oh. in this i mean it's important <laughs> i mean i mean listen the developers wouldn't have did what they did in dead or alive 5 if they didn't understand that people love the outfits of these games mm-hmm. like for those who don't know dead or alive 5 has an ungodly amount of DLC that in grand, which are pretty much all costumes for the girls. And if you total all the costume DLC up, it is over $1,000. No, no game this, of, that does that in my, in my mind and knowledge. Like, and this as well for context, if you've, if you've never played this game, you used to be able to unlock costumes as you played. So if you got yes. a high score in survival mode or something like that, you would unlock uh, a Li Fang, another Chong Sam or something like that. Or you would unlock a, a kimono for one of the Japanese characters. But the later games, you have to buy this shit. And like one of the one of the motivations for playing the game back in the day, the, you know, two, three, and four, um, was that the more you play it, the more outfits you unlocked. Like that was the fun yeah. part about it. But now you have to buy that shit. It's yeah, bullshit. It's lame. It's stupid. I hate it. When they do a new game, they better not do this or I'm rioting. Uh, <laughs> if they do it to this level of extreme, like if it's anything, if it's a mild, like, oh yeah, here's like, you know, a specialty swimsuit DLC. And it's just mm. like, three dollars i'm okay with that but you better let me have unlockables in the game because yeah like you said like the dead or alive has this like novelty on like as part of its underlying core mechanics which are very sound mind you like Mm, dead or alive is not like a lazily made franchise like there's con there's content there's depth involved like there's a lot of cool things that Dead or Alive does that later franchises would steal. I mean, hell, I believe it's Dead or Alive 3 where it's like you can use the environment as part of your move set. Like, I remember how I think it's Dead or Alive 3 in that forest level where like Kasumi or I think any one of them, but I just remember Kasumi could do it because I think I was able to get her to do it. But it's like she can like walk up the tree and like slam someone on the ground. Mm-hmm. Or or another big part of Dead or Alive is the fact that like the stages are really dynamic. Like you can kick someone through a wall and they go flying and you follow them down into a new part of the level. Like 
Dead or Alive feels so, for lack of a better way to say it, alive in its mm-hmm. world. Like these aren't just like static little rings that you're fighting in. These are like lived in places where terrain is involved and there's obstacles that you weave around. And well, in some ca- in some games, it can be a detriment. I remember Dead or Alive 4 had this problem where you could get stuck behind stuff. Yeah. But still, like, I think of, you know, because I have my playthrough right here, like Dead or Alive 3, you have the snow level and you're like leaving your imprint in through the snowy and it's just like a full, like a blizzard is happening. It's so like cinematic, I guess is the way to Mm. put it. Like, it's so just like a breathing world outside of just these beautifully rendered characters that you're in control of for however long a match runs for yeah and it's sort of it's interesting that it got to that place because the first one which i full disclosure haven't played um because it was an arcade game basically and the the thing was about the the mid 90s right 96 yeah 96 was when it came out so from what i've seen videos of it though and it looked very much like a um virtua fighter pastiche essentially um the the one thing it had going for it that was different maybe was I don't know if Virtual Fighter did this, but the counters. Um, and then it also had the the ring out thing, the exploding yeah. ring. The, Virtual Fighter had the ring out, but they didn't have the exploding ring out. Like that was mm-hmm. the violence that Itagaki was referencing with Dead or Alive. And you know, when we think of violence, we think of like blood or what like mortal combat but it's like violence it's a very like subtle violence where it it explodes in violence when it happens like it obviously the violence i think is better showcased with the dynamic stages mm-hmm. but you are right dead or alive is very much it was very inspired by virtual fighter so much so that um the first game is actually using the technology that powered Virtua Fighter. So like Yeah. It looks very similar. Yeah, they they do share a same DNA. And mind you, I don't hate Virtual Fighter. I think Virtual Fighter's great. I love Virtual Fighter. And I think there is a reason why so many games copied it. Like it's such a clean and beautiful game series that doesn't re- like it's just you know the bare basics and that's okay but mm-hmm. like i love dead or alive has this like ju- we have been going back and forth on this when we decided to do this it's like there's a layer of camp to dead or alive that is just mm-hmm. so fun to just soak up all that juice and whether it is in the character stories or the costumes or the fact that Ryu Hayabusa from Ninja Gaiden is a main character in this franchise in Dead or Alive, like, or the fact that, like, they use one of the main characters as a basis for their super weapon clone, or, you know, the fact that character, like, some characters have their own quarrels that are just so silly. Like, that's what makes Dead or Alive, like, fun for me is that there is a level of like they know that it's silly but they're playing it 100% honest 100% earnest and they are running with it they're not letting this get in the way of like making the best vision that they can Mm -hmm. 
I like that you said before uh, that it's soap operatic in the sense that the story anyway, and, you know, you have these reversals, these, uh, these kind of retcons, all this sort of stuff. But the one thing that I think story-wise that it has going for it is that every character has uh, goals and mm-hmm. they're, the game takes them seriously, like even if the goals are really stupid. Like, <laughs> so you'll have these tragic backstories like Ayane's or Elena's. Um, basically, someone's trying to assassinate Helena, who is this opera singer who also fights in her spare time. Yes. Um, and then her mother takes the bullet for her. Initially, it's thought that Ayane did this, the girl ninja, the non-binary ninja with the purple hair. Um, <laughs> but then that's re- retcon, I think, in four or five, I can't remember, four. that Christy, uh, a newer character, did it. And this is what we were talking about before with people, you know, you know, taking issue with this. But in terms of the, the backstories, you'll also get, you'll have that tragic tragic short sort of shit, but then you'll also get people like Lee Fang, whose only motivation is that uh, she wants to beat Jan Lee, who is the Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee kind of cognate, which you always get in a lot of these games. You always oh, yeah. get the Bruce Especially, Lee, yeah. Jeet Ever- sort of like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tekken has martial law. Yeah. Like, every fighting game has their Bruce Lee homage character. Which I love that. I, I think that's oh, very yeah. cute that he's immortalized in that way. But, um, but yeah, Lee Fang's uh, backstory is that Jan Lee saved her once and, and she she got really pissed off that uh, he saved her and she thought she could save herself. So basically her motivation is to defeat Jan Lee every chance she can get. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> and that's it. That's her only motivation. So you have stupid th- little things like that, but then you have these really dark, disturbed stories like Ayane's and, and Helena's. And I just think that is very... It's very in keeping with that kind of soap opera style of storytelling, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have the that goofy moment, but then let's talk about the ultimate goofball character, Zach. <laughs> um, like, Zach... Zach just be- wants to party. Zach wants just money and fame, and yeah. somehow being, like, the goofball that he is, I love how in the actual, like, canon story of this game... He consistently finishes in the top three and then eventually <laughs> wins because Helena doesn't want the title. Like I listen, I listen, I, I I love a good drama and the in the like dramatic parts of the Dead or Life franchise, you know, it's with like, you know, Hayabusa, Kasumi, Ayane, Helena, Christy, um Rido in the first game. Like there's a core like dramatic story happening and other fighting games have this like in tech i'll go to tekken because it's an easy comparison for me like tekken has the mishima you know you know the mishima drama as sort of the core central focus but then there's a bunch of side stories that kind of like fill out everything and sometimes they are serious sometimes they are silly as shit um sometimes they're outlandish like yoshimitsu yeah yeah or yoshimitsu or paul like paul Paul meeting aliens and he now wants to be the strongest in the universe like fighting aliens like oh oh boy paul phoenix paul phoenix or as i lovingly refer to him as paul penis um (laughs) 
uh, every fighting game has like these moments of levity and Dead or Alive for sure has these moments of levity and what makes it special is that like you know it's not like they're not trying to be like a lot of times sometimes I think some fighting games struggle with is that they try to present like a story as in like a traditional linear story with drama every character that's involved has like drama and all this stuff a fighting game and that's why I think fighting games have always struggled with story modes is because like they're removing the sort of fun that playing these characters has. Like I can get my, I can get my, my ninja soap opera with the core dead alive cast, but I also can get the silly the silly family quarrels of Bass and Tina where Bass does not want his daughter to use her sex appeal as a wrestler, then as an actress, then as a model. And like, that is the recurring storyline for all, like for these two characters for every six, six games. And and then in episode six, she's running for governor. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) okay, like you, you, I love Tina. Tina's arc is so funny to me because it's like, she's the ultimate, she's almost a parody of like the girl boss. I can do anything kind of character because it's like, she just tries to do everything. She wants oh. to be a rock star, a singer. She wants to be a model. She wants to be an actor. And then she's like, I'm going to run for governor. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, see, like every character to some extent, like you can broadly paint these characters with stereotypes, but stereotypes are fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And we all, we've all probably known a Tina Armstrong in our lives. And that's what makes Tina fun to select and play as, because not only does she have some of the best outfits, in my opinion, the best outfits in the franchise, she's also a fun gal. She is a fun girl. You know, she's, I always think about, I think it's Dead or Alive 5, where she has the American bikini. Yes. Uh, and, and that's she's a her, classic. It's her cowboy yeah. look. Like, oh my God, I With love With the cowboy hat. Yeah. yeah, like she she's given me some like just country realness. And then like country realness. Yeah, country realness. Emphasis on the unt. <laughs> um but yeah, like fighting games should never well they should have their moments of seriousness, but they should never lose the heart of what makes people love these characters. Is that they all don't have to follow the same template. Like, again, because Tekken is very similar to a degree, like Dead or Alive, it's like Tekken will still have its moments of levity. Kuma. Kuma and Panda. (laughs) They exist in this universe. Kuma, who was raised by Haihachi to be a a, a martial martial arts bear. Yeah. A literal in, bear. Yeah, a literal bear who falls in love with a panda bear who happens to be the bodyguard of one of the fighters in the tournament, Xiao Yu. And Kuma's storyline pretty much for every game is that he wants to woo this panda. And you know what? That I will I will sit my ass down and I will I will eat this slop up. And 
I do not. Well, I do not want Kuma, you know, thinking about the travesties of the Zaibatsu versus G Corp. I want Panda having his stupid love story. Every <laughs> I can think of Ganryu and Ju- Ganryu's constant simp attitude to Julia. Like that is the allure of fighting games is that there is no room for it's I hate to rag on Mortal Kombat, but Mortal Kombat does this and I'm like Mortal Mortal Kombat is trying to do this like serious story at times and it's just like you have like guys with robotic arms and girls in spandex like bikinis and you have Johnny Cage and you see fit that like this has to be a serious story. Hmm. It's like have some goddamn levity and fun in your franchise, please. Like uh, <laughs> one of the cause... reasons I think that you can't you can't actually take the story seriously in a fighting game because when you play through even in story mode i mean obviously there are in most modern fighting games there's a kind of like a rail railroading element that the story plays out in a particular way (laughs) but just in the playing of a fighting game it's like um in general it's like well i'm gonna win (laughs) yeah like so well, you know, if you're good enough, you're going to win the tournament. So therefore, if you have a series, it's like, you know, you've got the canon uh, ending or whatever, but then you've got your ending, which is you playing through all the games. So there's this kind of disconnect there with the different kinds of storylines in that you can't really take a story like that seriously. Like you should have a bit of fun with it because like in my head canon, when I play Dead or Alive and I beat it with like, I don't know, Helena or something that completely mismatches what the canonical ending is. So yeah. because of that, I think the the right attitude to take is Dead or Alive's and Tekken's, which is, you know, have a bit of fun with it. Don't like, you know, we, it has to be super serious all the time. And yeah. uh, I mean, like, I mean... <laughs> I'm not telling, I'm not saying like every game should like not take itself seriously. There's room and obviously there's times for moments of just like this game is serious and dark and, you know, gritty and whatever adjective you want to say from start to finish. And that's okay. Like I think of Max Payne, I would not want Max Payne to have like a moment of just like goofiness to sort of like stop the story for like a chapter like i would not want that like this is kind of the beauty of fighting games though is that it's by extension it's existence that like the doors are open to whatever the writers want this thing to be it doesn't really need to turn itself into something that it's not like uh, well, which is what the the later the latter day Mortal Kombat has tried to do, like with yeah, their, they're trying to they're trying story. to yeah, they're trying to just tell a story with these characters. And I understand that Mortal Kombat already has like a layer of like dramatic and seriousness to it, but it's like you go back to the Mortal Kombat one, two, and three, and it's like you know, with like Mortal Kombat three, they have like friendship moves, or they have mm-hmm. like you know moves that you don't use to like not kill someone like there's there's a level of just like non-seriousness already in the dna Mm -hmm. 
So like when you're telling this dramatic story and your only sort of like moment of levity is Johnny Cage. And I feel like that lessens a character like Johnny Cage. But when you look at something, you know, character like Zach, you know, in Dead or Alive, like I'm more willing to side with how Zach is portrayed, especially as Dead or Alive tried to do the sort of big singular story like i think dead or alive five story for me is more engaging because all the characters act like how they're supposed to be and they don't try to like force a character to behave how they should be like you know bass is still bass bayman is still bayman ayane kasumi they're all still the same person and you know they have they still are able to work the dead or alive formula in a singular story mode that five introduced like there's a right balance i think fighting games have to find in when you are telling a story like tekken 7 story is not like engaging per se to me because it's a lot of seriousness for the most part like they're trying to conclude a major arc of that storyline and the part that matters them concluding that storyline is delivered a plus but everything else i'm just like yeah this is kind of forced and doesn't fit tech in like i feel like i feel like a lot of fighting games uh and this includes dead or alive as well and tech in they uh they've because as games have got more advanced and story has become more important, I think a lot of the times the story really is shoehorned in. I actually think the best kind of quote unquote story for a fighting game is the, those original Mortal Kombat things, which is basically just a series of matches. Then you defeat Shao Kahn or whoever the big boss is at the end. And then you get like a narrative at the end about telling you, what your character's ending is and mm-hmm. what they're going to do next. Like, yeah. I think that it's overcomplicated. Like you don't need to, for a fighting game, because the thing that you get out of a fighting game is not the story. It is the fights itself, the mechanics, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, how it feels to play as a ninja versus a, someone who knows Tai Chi versus a Kung Fu master or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what you're there for. You're not re- necessarily <laughs> there for the character. You are there for the characters, but the characters are expressed through their matches, not necessarily yeah. through the like, and then you can tell the backstory stuff at the end when they're finished. Like I feel, I just like the simplicity of that, but I guess because we have all this hardware and it's way more advanced, I think people feel like developers yeah. feel like they need to give you more bang for your buck. Which is very true. There was a persistent stupid mantra in the PS3 era because Games are $60, therefore they need to have more. We have more technology. We have more things in our box now. So we now we have we we can't do the tried and true method of making you come to love these characters. We have to present like a classic, you know, a traditional story because that's you know, fighting game in the modern age has to be that nowadays but it really doesn't like i think what i think there there is a balance you can have like one example i found that worked and it was recent it was this year street fighter 6 they street fighter 6 has a thing where you create your own character 
and your character you have a thing called the world tour mode which is a story mode but you play that mode with your creative character and you get to meet all the cast members that you play as in the game and they have you get their own backstories and story you know interactions and you get their you know they behave and act and as you expect them to in what we understand these characters to be and then they also have the classic arcade mode where you you pick like cammy and you you do cammy's matches and you get cammy's story like i think that is a good way to sort of balance it all because like you can have your modern story but then you can have your classic experience now granted not every game has the budget to do that. Street Fighter Six. Street Fighter is a long-running franchise. Everyone knows Street Fighter. Everyone loves Street Fighter, so they can have the budget to do that. You know, Dead or Alive may not be able to do that, but like, if you're gonna go with a singular story, why not try to like allow you to have that experience of like role-playing in the world of Dead or Alive? And you meet all these characters and you learn their moves and you can like add their moves to your arsenal and you meet them, talk with them. You know, Street Fighter Six has a fun mechanic where it's like you get the more you bond with the character, you learn more moves and even you get their cell phone number and they start texting you like <laughs> Ryu has no idea how to use a phone. So he sends like random like emojis to you. And he's and then you have to say to him, you know, you don't have to put all those. And he's like, oh wow, I learned so much from you, the master of smartphones. Like <laughs> there, there I think that could be an interesting way for like a fighting game to do it. And maybe Dead or Alive 7 or this, you know, they're rebooting the franchise, which apparently they announced a few months ago. Actually, no, technically last year. Like they're rebooting the franchise, which I don't know. I would have hoped they continued the story, but I guess, you know, six was not the game. It was kind of a flop. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, you know, if they have to reboot the franchise, so be it. But fighting games are a unique vessel in the sense of even though you have these established characters who behave and act and have all these backstories and all this stuff, they still allow a little bit of role playing where you can get into their shoes and become that character. So maybe the Street Fighter Six solution is the way you try to do a modern fighting game story moving mm -hmm. forward. Like you get the yeah. best of both worlds, sort of thing. Yeah, it's just a um, theory. I did want to say as well, speaking about like simplicity versus the complexity of more advanced, you know, gaming systems and stuff like that uh the series it has a pretty advanced yet simple and elegant uh uh fighting system which is oh, yeah. i think it was called the triangle system yes which it's like you know you can you can punch or kick you can hold and you can throw and it's like punch or punching or kick that beats holds and th throws no that beats throws and holds beats Punches and kicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know the exact details. I'm not an expert. But it's very elegant. It's very elegant the way it's set up. Like, yeah, so... it's, it's a rock paper scissors. Um, yeah, and, but and it's about countering and like counter attacks and things like that. So, 
and that's that's part of the reason why I've come to like the franchise. It's like fighting games always have this hurdle of complexity. Like again, boot up Tekken. King has over 200 moves. Mm. Learn them. Like sort of thing. And the game has no tutorial and you have no concept for anything. And there's a there's a place for that. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying Tekken should adopt the triangle system. But what I love is that Dead or Alive carved its own way to do its fighting mm. system and it's elegant and simple, but there's complexity there for those who are into that stuff. And I think that speaks lar- as a whole to the series, not just in gameplay, but also just as I look at my playthrough right now, of like just the visual language of Dead or Alive, it's beautifully simple, but like when it wants to deliver a moment of just like pure beauty, it is still, it holds up amazingly well. Like, there are some stages in Dead or Alive 3 where I'm just like, holy shit, that looks... If you bump the resolution up, that looks on par practically with a modern game, in my opinion, which some people wouldn't say, I don't care. I'm right in this sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I forget the stage name in DOA 3, but it's the one in the mountains with, like, the pond, like, the little things of water. I forget the state. Yeah. Yeah, that one's stunning and Mm. you know or the forest level in that game or the the mountain level or the beach like they're so dead or alive is so simple on the surface level but you really get a sense of just how beautiful and layered the experience is as you Mm. sit down and just appreciate what's in front of you and you know, I think this was even present from the get-go on the original game in 96. Like, there was a simple and clean language from the get-go, and it just took refining to, like, really mm-hmm. mass- get, you know, showcase what made it so special. And, you know, those first three games, like, they were big hits. Like, mm-hmm. I think the Tecmo said that they made, like, around like 10 million dollars off of dead or live uh one and like i'm willing to believe like dead or live three was a very big game for the xbox like people forget that this franchise was like a pretty big thing back in the day and i think because of people wanting to like rewrite history literally like there's an ign article review of the first game where they retroactively say the game is offensive like in 2012 it was so laughable like i think because of people just see the breath the you know the breast physics they think the game is offensive or the volleyball games they think the game is sexist i'm like this is a game about empowering women it is it is it's and also i would i would venture i would wager actually that um the people who are doing the breast jiggle physics are all gay men uh, yeah or you know, i guarantee you i'll have to because i did we have to tr- we have to track <laughs> yeah we have to track down the like animator whether it, it was itagaki himself i mean i think he had a pl- hand to play but like you have to track down these animators because 
we have to know what they are behind the scenes like oh no i know i mean the players like you know oh. how you have the option to like put it up put up the oh yeah you can max get... yeah i guarantee you that the only people who did that were gay men uh, yeah i listen <laughs> i feel like straight guys might have had a love a layer of like uh embarrassment if they turn it on unless <laughs> yes. they were just perverts which you know hey join the club uh, yeah, I mean, the breast jiggle thing, I think, is kind of quaint. Like, the most perverted thing, I think, about Dead or Alive is, like I was saying before, those panty shots. Because oh, yeah. the ca- one thing you've got to understand as well, if you haven't played these games, is, like, the camera is pretty dynamic. So, like, oh, yeah. the camera will, it will kind of move around the fighters depending on, you know, what you're doing, um, which is great. It, and it lends to that point you were making before about it feeling cinematic. But <laughs> you'll do it. You'll do a high kick in a short skirt or something, and you'll get like the perfect panty shot all the time. Like it always, yeah. the, always yeah, like the, the camera yeah. hangs out on the bikini bottom. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's like you know Japan sensibilities. Like that's just uh-huh. Japan, and like you know what? Who cares? Like, speaking of which, do you normally play it with the Japanese on? Because I do. I tended to that that felt right to me like i will say in dead or alive 5 the english cast is not bad they're actually pretty Mm -hmm. good in that one but Mm -hmm. like still the japanese that feels right even for the american you know the american characters yeah i found this as well when i when i was playing six because i'd never played six before and i played it for this and i was like it had defaulted to english and i was like this is weird like even with the american card the english speakers it was like oh no they need to be tina needs to be speaking japanese yeah it, like you need you need this kind of like surreal language uh, like, language barrier like re recycling american culture through the japanese lens that's that's part of the the appeal of those characters in particular oh yeah i mean tekken has this... zach oh yes yeah, zach who was voiced by dennis rodman at times by the way <laughs> Which is hilarious. But in Japanese, but in Japanese, it's even funnier because it's like you know. Yeah, the Japanese guy. Yeah, Japanese guy trying to sound like a black guy, which is like always a fun time. Um, quickly in the style of the Tekken episode, quickly name your okay. Let's start with the guys. We'll save the girls for last. What are your top three favorite guys in terms of hotness? Hotness. Okay. Um, Bayman. Yes. Bass. Yes. Um. And Leon. All fair choices. <laughs> I see. Mine is that, but um, swipe swap. Uh, Leon for you know. Uh. Uh. Brad. Well, Brad. No, it's Hayabusa. I've always been a sucker for Ryu in the games, but like mm-hmm. there is something. There is a charm to Brad's hair. And his like weird, even though he's Chinese, like he's still like I don't know if it's just because his name is Brad. I just think it's like oh yeah, it's Brad Pitt doing a a Chinese person <laughs> with his like silver hair that looks like a wig. Yes. Like I also have a soft spot for um, Hayate slash Ayn, whatever you want to like. But I would say it's Bass, Bayman, and Hayabusa. Like, mm-hmm. listen, you see Hayabusa's arms? You don't even mm-hmm. need to see his mouth. Mm-hmm. You see the eye, the smolder? Oof. Uh, but then 
the more important one, who are the three hottest females? I can give you top two. I've got to think about the third. Um, Helena, obviously, is my... Are we talking hottest or, like, favorite players? Hottest. Okay. Um, Helena, because I love that. I love a bitch who can sing. <laughs> um, and she always looks amazing. Like, she's always got, like, bows and dresses and stuff like that. She has a lot of my favorite outfits. And then she's got this one, like, catsuit thing that has, like, a plunging neckline with, like, laces. Mm-hmm. Like, that is so sexy. Um, Christy. She is so amazing. <laughs> like she's yeah. like she's she's one of the ones who I think is super hot and also one of my favorite player with the players with the snake style with the Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> um and she's got that awesome like Lisa Rinna bleached like hair, hairdo. <laughs> oh my god, it's so true. She and, is Lisa, um, Lisa Rinna. She is, she is. Oh my god. Um Cunty Lisa and- Rinna. And then I would say, oh, it is hottest. So I would say Tina. Tina's that like down home, like wholesome white bread, uh, oh, yeah. all American girl. And I've got a, I've got a soft spot for that, especially if they've got enormous knockers. So oh yeah, oh boy, her knockers do move. Um, <laughs> they do see, not. See, I and you weird, answer like, like with Tekken when I did this with Tekken. Like there was at least a little bit of variety, both because Tekken has a ginormous fucking cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like with people, maybe it's the gay brain talking. I feel like gays can spot the you know the best wim- best of all women. Like for me, it's obviously Christy. I have a soft spot for La Mariposa. Yeah, she uh, just is that, great. Yeah. That that one. Um, the third one is a tough one for me though. Like. I can't say Ayuna like Ayane because she feels more like her sort of appeal is kind of like played down a bit. But I think it's gonna be Tina. Like I can't say no to Tina. <laughs> like can't I can't say no to a a, a do it all gal. Mm-hmm. She, I and the thing is too, like the hottest characters are the ones I like to play with too. Like I, it's a weird thing. Like. I felt this with King. I am not like with King. I am not a grappler character. Like in every other game that has like a archetype, like where, Oh, this is the fast one. This is the one that's the glass cannon, like does a lot of damage, but is super weak. Or this is the big bruiser or whatever. Like normally I pick the fast character, Mm. but with King, I was just like, "Mm, I can make exceptions. (laughs) Well, see, that's that's the same with me in terms of uh, Helena and Christy, that they're the, my two of my hottest and I love playing as them, but I do not like Tina to play with because I don't like playing with grapplers uh, and wrestlers <laughs> and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe I have a soft spot for grappler characters because like Tina and then I love the big bruiser and bass. It's like, mm. mm-hmm, uh, yes, <laughs> this is like, give me some of that. Well, it's uh, cool that they can like throw people and catch them midair and stuff like they're oh, the only kinds of characters who can do that. So yeah, they definitely play into the wrestler part of like their personas, and that's cool. Like there's so much it's funny we mentioned Christy and my playthrough on my other screen has her like playthrough. That cat suit she's in, the white yes. with the white with the yes. green. 
And then she's wearing heels as well. Yeah. And then her, her, I love, because again, it's on my screen, like her ending in in Dead or Alive 3, where it's like, you get to see her showering and put on the black dress, like that, or not even the Is that the same one with the panther? Yes, it is. (laughs) God, like just a random panther in her apartment but if it is totally in character for her completely like, oh my god the, the, see like people this is the one thing that is a negative about dead or Life 3 they need to put all these games on more accessible hardware but they mm-hmm. they they haven't like honest to goodness the best way to play most of the dead or live games is just get an original xbox like mm-hmm. that way because they have dead or alive ultimate which is one and two and then you have three and then i guess i guess you could you could get a 360 because you can play all those on your 360 and then you have four and five you know we can skip six six didn't happen Uh, although i yeah i did play six for this and i would i would just mention as well yeah six is a bit all over the place uh the story is insane like it's a fucking mess it's a fever dream like but mm-hmm. I kind of love it for that. But in terms of, you know, it's pretty much the same sort of thing in six. The one thing that I do love about six though, is the uh, clothing damage that you take. Yes. It's so good. This is like, where mo- modern technology is a good thing. Yeah. Like if you, if you get like hit with like a really powerful super move or something like that, and you're a girl and your hair's done up, your your hair will come out and you'll be fighting with like your bangs in your face and stuff like that and it's like full cunty and then you get you'll get like uh rips to your to your shirts and stuff like that and i was playing with christy a lot because i love christy mm-hmm. and whenever i get like damage taken <laughs> on the abdomen it like had torn off her thing and you got you got like underboob <laughs> <laughs> it was so good see Normally, modern technology, I'm like, oh, that's a cute thing. But like, this is the kind of stuff I love. And mm-hmm. again, in the great tradition of Tekken borrowing things from Dead or Alive, they're implementing that kind of in Tekken 8. Even though they're not having the clothing damage, you still get like characters getting bruised and sweaty and dirty. And I'm like, ooh, we're see, Dead or Alive is not the trashy franchise you think it was. <laughs> Like, well, I think they 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 are related. Like they are kind of two, almost two sides of the same coin. When we were talking yeah. beforehand, like I really feel Tekken, in terms of like viewing them as sort of video game soap operas, Tekken is the male coded one, whereas uh, Dead or Alive is the female coded one. Like the yeah. gals are the stars in this one, whereas that one's more about like male drama. Yeah, <laughs> the, Tekken has its moments where it dips into like the. There's parts where Tekken, it, it really, there are some soap opera stuff, like, uh, where there's some, like, vaguely incestual over undertones to some of the, mm-hmm. like, the Mishima plot, and mm-hmm. uh, Jin being, like, uh, an angsty teenager who has <clears throat> a part of him that's inside that, you know, is the true him, and mm, what does that mean? And he has a <laughs> very deep and long-lasting rivalry with Huarang. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like there there's if you're if you're like Matt Matthew and I like our eyebrows are raised at those moments like hmm I know that the writer didn't mean it to play like come off like this but hmm okay. <laughs> like with Dead or Alive it's just like played 100% straight straight in quotes. Um like 
they they understand that like they must have understood they had a large con- contingency of gay fans like there there's no way to explain certain things in this game like tell me a straight man who turned the boob settings to omg <laughs> and like, also what straight man is like cares about the outfit of their fighters Please. yeah like, like it's t- basically fighting fighting barbie dolls and we're, I, we're just dressing them up in different things you know oh yeah speaking of barb i, I keep referencing my playthrough on the other screen but <laughs> can we talk about a uh, a character we didn't bring up like hitomi in dead or live 3 where she has the jeans and the in the denim jacket like ooh, that's i love good... that look yeah. yeah and then uh uh lei fang in that all black like mini dress like mm-hmm. It mm, there's so many good outfits and like I this this conversation keeps going back to the costumes like I love that uh, and also the costumes are really dynamic too visually like the so you know your players Li Fang is like really fun to play with because she's always wearing the like the Chinese kind of Chong Sam thing not always but yeah so it'll be very flowy and it'll like it'll flow between her legs and it it always looks really good like the oh, the yeah. physics of it look amazing oh yeah well. and, and even that extend like you were saying with six like even like all part it's not just the breast physics any f- object in the game that has physics is always looks good like even to the mm-hmm. hair the hair is still like really good from like you know kasumi's long orange hair to you know um uh gen uh, gen fu in his like braided ponytail like there yeah which they're... which will be positioned at different moments over his shoulder versus back like depending on like what's happening physically yeah, so it's that is like those are those little details that are just so like mwah, chef's yeah, kiss you know yeah it's like you know me as a goblin gamer i can appreciate <laughs> like just the little thing the little things do go and really make a difference like i i i'm sad that dead or alive kind of has been relegated to like a lower tier but it really deserves to be in that upper echelon it's not like a it shouldn't be striving to be anything that other than it is it should be all it dead or alive should just be what it is which is a a, a different take on a 3d fighter with an an eye for the dramatic the camp the stylish and all that like if this reboot that's supposedly happening if they show off it being realistic i will say nope i will i will turn off the tv i do not want to see that sort of moment for me and i was like whatever Tecmo is cooking right now, they better enough not fail me or else I'm going to make a ruckus on X. <laughs> so yes, they better, they better live up to the big breasted, um, busy girl, working girl, uh, feminist message of the original series. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I can only hope that whoever's in charge. Cause like, Itagaki's gone. The guy who took over for Itagaki is gone. I forget his name. Uh, he, you know, the sort of main guys who had been in charge of this franchise are gone. So I can only hope that whoever is in charge of this franchise moving forward gets it. This is a feminist work of art. And I think that a lot of people should, you know, Hey, this is the one franchise that is worth owning like an older Xbox. It's like, mm-hmm. 
Xbox didn't have like um the best like a stellar selection of games like the PS2 did, but Xbox had Dead or Alive, and I can wholly recommend getting an Xbox just for Dead or Alive. Mm-hmm. So it had the hardware it had the hardware for those big mummy milkers. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> when you're punching, and sometimes you see the breast physics go like whomp. <laughs> it's like whoops that must have been a little bit of a glitch or was it or was it a glitch i didn't need i didn't think the breast going like 40 miles forward and backwards was you know <clears throat> i don't know if that was intended but i sure did love it i sure did love it so i think that it wraps i think that's a good place we can stop for tonight so again i want to thank you Matthew, for joining me. This was such a fun time. I had such a fun time talking about this with you. Oh, thank you. So did I. It's lovely to see you. And like I said, it's um, your podcast is one of my favorite podcasts. So it's an honor and a blast to be on. Oh, please. Oh, uh, you're, you're too <laughs> sweet. Well, we're going to get you back on for another episode. It's a must. Do. We, I have, I, <clears throat> listen, we'll find another cunty franchise to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I think we we I think we said everything that needed to be said. So I think that is where we will stop. Mm-hmm.